Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. How are you doing, sister? I'm doing great, Father John. How about you? I'm doing well. We had a little taste of fall here in Michigan over the weekend, and it's nice to uh, have the prospect of some warmer temperatures later in the week. So, uh I love this time of year, actually, in, I do too. in Michigan. I do, too, Father John. You know, we, we were just traveling, as you know, last week, and just as the plane started to land in Detroit, I was looking out my, uh, my, my window, and I saw the beautiful colors that make their way to us every fall. It's beautiful in Michigan. It is. It's, the problem is they don't the last fall. long, and then they fall down, and then it's just... Great. You know what you, you know who you sound like right now? Eeyore. Eeyore. That's me. All Eeyore, right. let's so, begin. <laughs> all right, so what's our topic? So our topic for today is, do you see me? Yeah, I love this. This is going to flow right out of our time uh, last week with the, with the priest on retreat that we were uh, privileged to be with. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Father, we just thank you that the reality is that you see us, and that you know us. And that you know everything about us and that we don't have to hide from you. Don't have to be afraid. Don't have to be fearful. Don't have to be anxious. Lord, we just pray for those who are listening right now who are experiencing loneliness or a sense of isolation or abandonment. We ask that you would comfort them and speak to them and reveal yourself to them. Father, we pray particularly for uh, bishops and for priests, for leaders in the church, lay leaders. Lord, just continue to minister to them and teach us all in the church ever more how to be genuinely human. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hey, you got a Amen. quick word on our, some of, some of you are probably not aware that the Rescue Project, the uh, the video experience that we created, has a live stream schedule that we've been, you and I have been hosting just to walk with people who are doing it. And we've, we had hoped to do one every single week and to actually have it live as opposed to a tape stream. But our travel schedule has been a bit crazy and our moving schedule has been a bit crazy. So update people on the live stream. Yeah, so you can find the full, the, the revised schedule on uh, the Rescue Project website. And just in case you need a reminder what that address is, it's rescueproject.us. You'll see it on the homepage. And a special note will be that it's not going to be every Friday. We're going we're gonna to try to have a couple, maybe this uh, this week, actually. Yeah, the, the next and one is when? Wednesday, October 12th. Great. And so we'll do a couple this week. And so it'll be on, sometimes it'll be on a Wednesday, sometimes it'll be on a Friday. We had to get creative because we're in the air robot. We are eager uh, to chat with you again and to engage with you and to answer all the questions you have and to hear your insights and comments as well. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with it, join us. It's going to be this coming Wednesday at 1.30 and we're going to be tackling in a particular way the, the tough chapters in the rescue project that have to do with the enemy, right? We are. Chapter three is this week. So Wednesday, October 12th, one thirty Eastern time. So we'll see you there. All right. Today's topic, do you see me? So, you know, we just came back from Evansville. We were down there with uh, the bishop and the priests in that diocese. Just had a spectacular time. There's something so refreshing about the, the heartland and the Midwest. Every time, you know, it's... Fl- 
I, I continue to go back to uh, Monsignor Shea's comment that the eye of Sauron just doesn't see this part of the country. And it's, it's such a great image. Of it course. is refreshing. It's so beautiful. We were driving uh, out to the retreat center where we were going to be uh, with uh, these beautiful priests. And we saw corn, cornfields and, and harvesters and wide open spaces. And you just feel like when you're in that space, you can breathe. Yeah. And there's so much beauty in the yeah. heartland. So it's just a joy on many levels. But just a health I digress. and a normalcy to so yeah. many of the brothers that are there. They're facing the issues that everybody else are. But again, there's just a, there's a different stock of guys. It was just refreshing to be there. But we were coming back and, it, you know, everywhere we go, every time we're with priests, you know, they walk in and they're just, so many of them are so wrung out. They're so exhausted. And so it's just trying to create an, an environment and an atmosphere where they can, they can just be seen and loved on and cared for and ministered to and encouraged by the gospel. And they just have time to be together. And you realize they just don't have much time to be together. And, and you know, I think we've said this on a number of occasions, but I just can't repeat this often enough. If we've seen one root problem to to so much of what's wrong in the church right now that's leading to so many challenges. We just, I, I would put it this way, we've forgotten how to be human. It, it's that, uh, I forget who it was, it was Monsignor Oxley in Toledo. We were with him at an event and we were talking about this and he said, it's kind of like that scene in Seabiscuit, the movie about the, the famous racehorse back in the 20s and 30s. And I know you love this movie and I love this movie and it's this horse that's been so beaten for so long that it just, it doesn't, doesn't run well. It's got a lot more potential in it, but it just doesn't run very fast. And the trainer who's working with it says, he just needs to learn how to be a horse again. That's a great line. Great and, line. and so many of us, we just need to learn how to be human again, right? And so we used to say, you know, bishops are, or, or priests rather are ground zero in the church, but that's not really the case, is it? No, yeah, you know, we... We talked about them being ground zero in terms of where you put your hands to as you want to bring about, help bring about, allow the Lord to use you to bring about transformation and revival in the church. But it became very, very clear, it has become very clear to us, Father John, hasn't it, that bishops are actually ground zero. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we think priests are dealing with discouragement and frustration and loneliness Absolutely. and isolation, holy cow, what do you think our shepherds are dealing with? Um, they, they have oftentimes nobody, right? Because there's nobody safe. Like they, they, oftentimes they come from outside the diocese, not always, but oftentimes they don't know the people. They're trying to get to know the people. There's, I mean, the enemy just works on an us, them mentality. So long way of saying, please, 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 let's just make a commitment to up our prayers, not only for our pastors, uh, but for our chief pastors, for our bishops in whatever diocese that we might happen to be, even if you don't particularly care for your bishop. Well, you know, and the reality is every Sunday we pray for our bishops anyway, but maybe just to be a little bit more intentional about that and and, and just to make, maybe add another note of intentionality about praying against the spirit of isolation yeah. um, that yeah. bishops obviously struggle with for, to, um, because of all the points that you just mentioned, yeah, yeah. because that's the lie of the enemy that if I can isolate them and they have a sense that they're isolated and alone, that there's no way they're going to be able to bring renewal to their, di to their diocese. And that's just not true. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, another way of saying, you know, we just need to learn how to be human again is to say, and I'll bet most people will be able to relate to this who go to parishes so much that we do in the church, it just seems so functional and so transactional. 
you know, and that's the title of this episode, Do You See Me, right? There's such a deep longing in every one of us, whether it's the lay faithful in the pews or whether it's the priests, to be known, to be seen, right? Yeah, and you know, Father John, to your point, I think sometimes we as the lay faithful, those of us who are sitting in the pews, we forget that our priests are human just like us. I am? Right. <laughs> but, but think about that. I mean, to your point, um, oftentimes we can treat our pastors and our associate pastors as sacramental vending machines, right? Where um, give me what I want. I need you to baptize my child. I need you to give my daughter first holy communion. I need you to help walk me through confirmation. I need you for marriage prep. But it, that that just has such a utilitarian mindset around it. And that in itself just dehumanizes us. So back to the point of our conversation about yep. recovering humanity. Yeah, I'm thinking immediately of um, an encounter I had with somebody maybe a week after my, my dad died a mm. um, number of years ago now. And so I was walking around the parish and it was shortly after mass or before mass. I don't remember which. And this gentleman came up to me and he says, are you okay? And I said, why would you ask me that? And he says, you look down. And I said, well, you know, my father just died. And he says, yeah, I know that, but you just look so down. As if to, I'm <laughs> down I, because I'm grieving. I right? looked at him as if to say, you know, I tried to pat him on the shoulder and said, thank you so much, Mike, move along. But what, what hit me in a, in a way that maybe it hadn't hit me before was, I don't think people really do think that we're human oftentimes, and they don't think that we go through what everybody else goes through, or maybe worse, like they don't want to give us time sometimes to be human because they have so many needs and they do, right? They want to get cared for. And so it was, it was almost like, we need you to get through this fast I, because, because I, I need, need you. you. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and, and to our point, you know, I need you versus I see you father. Yeah. I, I've said uh, so many times, you know, I, I often use Albert who made his appearance on the podcast a couple he weeks did. ago. But we're banishing him to the Netherlands. He's never coming back again. But no, no he'll be hopefully back. not. You know, he has uh, eight children on earth, two in heaven. And so I use him as an example because he's got a pretty large family. And I'll say, you know, like even Albert with eight kids, like he knows his children. Like a father knows his children and his children know him. And, and that's what you, you want. That's what family's supposed to be about. I know you, you know me. And even though people call us father, for most people in a parish, that's the last relationship that exists between a priest and the people. He's an HR director. He's a fundraiser. He's the motivational speaker. He's the development guy. He's the whatever. But for, for very few people is he actually father because they don't know him and he doesn't know them. And, and that creates tremendous sense of... Right. But, longing to be known on both sides, right? But Father John, to the, um, there's also the the reality that um, I know the parish that we came from was very large. Like we had 3,800 families in our parish, and so geographically in our in, in that canonical region, it was 12,000 people. You can't possibly know 12,000 people, and and so sometimes in a large parish, there's there's this sense of um, anonymity, like like you don't know us and we don't know you with as much as you'd love that to happen. Just the sheer numbers alone, just make that logistically That's and right. humanly impossible. The, the, the structure is really, right. it, it's, it doesn't allow for being seen and being known, which is why we want to propose an idea, right? A, a way to, to try to 
help this to try to make a large parish small. So you, you, I know you were you were looking at the um, I don't know how it, you got onto the theme of Cheers. But I you did. got onto the theme of Cheers. So well, how did was, that come up? So I was praying. Um, I was praying with this episode. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to bring some great stuff to my mind. And sometimes and he it's going to be wacky Cheers? stuff to my mind. But I was remembering the theme song from Cheers. And one of the lines says something like, you want to go where everybody knows your name. Oh, I love that. And of course, that was for a bar. But where do... It's still do, pretty cool. But, 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 but here's the reality, too. Um, if, if, if names are so critical to our, our identity, and how many times do we find ourselves... Um, seeing the same people at mass, we know where they sit. Yeah, right, right we, next we to can us. I, we can identify. Sometimes they're right next to us. Sometimes they're in front of us. Sometimes they're wherever, but you know them by where they sit, and we don't know their names. That's just that's just really a tragic commentary yeah, on the, Paris. Life. And there's a short grace period, right? Like you can't you can't go for five years sitting next to the same people. And then suddenly one day go, I'm sorry, I see you every week. Who are you? You know, it's just kind of awkward, right? But there's some things, we, we've actually seen that happen, but there's some things we can do to get to know each other, to make relationships, to become small, right? Rick Warren, who's the founder of Saddleback Church, I think you're the one who told me this line. Yeah. But I, I, I've always loved this line. He said, you know, nobody wants to belong to a big church. That's why small groups on Saddleback's campus are massive or right. on their campuses. Right. Um, I don't want to quote how many they have because I'll probably be wrong, but it's in the thousands. Yeah. That's where it, 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 again, it goes back to that whole mindset around, you know, I think St. John Paul said this a set of years ago, you know, that our parishes are actually supposed to be a community of communities. And yep. Saddleback got that right yep. because they're so large. Yeah, so right? what Warren means, I mean, he has a huge church. So what does he mean by that? Well, we want to be known. That's right. And so there's there's got to be ways in large parishes. Now, I know many of us who are listening, we don't belong to large parishes. We belong to small places. Others of us belong to mega churches. So what do you do in a large church to get to know each other? Well, you use small groups. They become very, very effective. And, you know, we ran Alpha at the parish for years. And I ran it because I I, it was the best thing I could find at the time to lead people into an encounter with Jesus. That's why I did it. I wanted them to come to know the Lord. It was kind of the vertical relationship of the, uh, of the equation. If you think of a cross as kind of embodying both the vertical relationship, us and God. That was what I wanted it for. What I grossly underestimated was how effective it was going to be for the horizontal relationship of helping a large place become small. That's right. The mantra from people after they start, after we started to run this great experience called Alpha um, was what are we going to do next? And whatever we do next, we want to stay together because I like my group. We're having dinner together on the weekends now. We're going out to do Christian service in the urban areas of Detroit. They just wanted to stay together. And so this small group model started to inform and um, started to inform every other ministry that we had uh, in our parish, everything from becoming Catholic, we started to do that. Which is what we called RCIA. Right. In small groups, our, our women's ministries, our men's ministries. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. I, so, because I don't want to miss, uh, I want to say something explicitly that was implicit in what you just said that I want to make sure we don't miss, which is what people were experiencing was, oh, this is what real friendship feels like. 
It's community. We're talking about things of substance. Things that matter. And everything. It's not like, it's not like we're all talking about theology, but we were talking about life, you know, not just the game, right? That's life. right. And, and, it, and, you know, we often hear, you know, let's do life together or we're doing life together. Well, that's what that actually was. And people start to share their stories. Um, it might be, you know, what was their life like before they had an encounter with the living God and what their life looks like right now. So, so that's a great starting point. But then in, in, a, in a small group mindset, you just, or, or, or in a, a small group structure, you start to talk about your children, mm. your marriage, your struggles, your story. Um, you, you start to share humanity. And, and, and that's why people wanted to stay together. Right. You know, and quite that's what frankly. people are longing for, right? We have a loneliness epidemic, and people wanted to exactly, and people wanted to, people wanted to eat together. So, if I can just mention the rescue project again, just real quickly. So, in the rescue project, one of the things we love and that we wanted to promote in the rescue project experience is having that meal together. You know, having a meal together, sharing some really rich content and then having small group discussion. And the meals are generally going to last roughly around a half hour. And people aren't used to having a meal that, that even lasts a half hour. I came across an interesting statistic just yesterday. And it said that the average family meal lasts 12 minutes. Like, oh, everything in my Italian just wants to throw a table upside down right now. When I read that, I thought to myself, are folks eating standing up? Oftentimes, you yes. You no they, long, they really I are. mean, you no longer set the table and you inhale your food, but this is where like real conversation starts to happen. And we've experienced this even on retreat with, with our brother priests too, right, Father John, where they just love being at the table yep. with one another and wasting time, lingering longer over a meal and they're, and they're ministering to one another. Yeah, one of the guys made the comment last week, one of the graces of being away is, you know, when, when oftentimes when we get together for different things in the church, we get together uh, in the in the structure of, you know, a couple of hours and, you know, the meal is very functional oftentimes because there's so much to do and so guys are looking at their watches like, I got to go. But when you're away from everything, you, there's nowhere to go. And so you just linger at the table and you really start to talk. So you said, Rescue Project, in my mind, like that's really the heart of what we want to talk about right now because the Rescue Project is a means by which, it's a means, one of the, one of the, the benefits of uh, using this in our homes and our parishes is it's, a, it's an avenue by which we can learn to see each other, to experience that God's seeing us, to get to know each other, that God knows us, and that we can become smaller, right? So just like we used Alpha, uh, in the parish context, and it was very effective mm -hmm. for all the reasons that you just said. Mm -hmm. The encouragement really, again, is just continue to be looking at who are those people that I'm feeling drawn to, that I want to, as you often say, quote unquote, do life with. Like, I want to get to know you better. I want to hang out with you. And this becomes um, a context to allow for that. So there's so many, this, the, the Rescue Project isn't simply a means by which someone can hear the gospel, be overwhelmed, move to surrender, mobilize for mission. That's how we describe its three main purposes. 
but it also becomes this opportunity for us to build relationships with one another, right? Because we're made for friendship. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah, absolutely, Father John. And even as you're talking, I'm thinking about those people who are currently running the rescue project, either in their parishes or their homes. And what we're hearing is the level... Uh, of depth in the sharing. And I I think I've shared with you that um, coming out of COVID, coming out of COVID, we, COVID made known um, where a lot of us were already struggling and it accentuated where we were already struggling. And so the things that people, the stories, the stories, right? The hearts that are opening up, sharing their stories with people in their small group, are things that otherwise we might not be talking about had COVID not actually happened. And they're deep and they're profound. And, you know, John Paul II uh, was so keen, like he knew this, he was a master at small group communities. And he had said that these ecclesial communities should be of a size that allows for true human relationships. And true human relationships means I can share everything and anything and, uh, and that you see me and that you're hearing me and my story has value and you're going to be able to share into my life in such a way as to minister deeply uh, to me. Every time you read John Paul or I see a quote, I just realize how, how significantly I miss this man, right? So maybe, maybe we could do something like this. I, I think, you know, the, the encouragement this week is really simple and, and it's, we, we have to keep reminding people this because the, the Rescue Project's free. It, we, we're thrilled that the USCCB has just posted this on their Eucharistic Revival webpage, which is great, and they're trying to promote it, which is fantastic. I think Heroic Men, which is a, a men's movement, they just put it out on theirs. But we want to just keep offering this to the church. And if you're listening, you're the church, you know? So... The, the, the encouragement this week, mindful of the incredible loneliness that so many people are experiencing, perhaps many of us who are listening right now, if in fact you're not yet doing the rescue project, this week, next week, in these days ahead, prayerfully consider inviting friends, people that sit next to you at the parish that you don't know their names, even though they're, they're they sit right there. You know, they're that pew in front of us on the left, right? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's that guy with the with the blonde hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Consider inviting them to Rescue Project in your home, right? I love that, Father John. And to that point, I um, I was sharing with you um, just a few days ago that there is a diocese um, who's, who's taking their diocesan leaders through the Rescue Project. They're doing it in the home. I love that. I love that. And this dear woman, Audrey, uh, reached out to me and she said, Mary, is anyone else doing this? I thought, oh my gosh, I can't wait to reply to her. No, they may not be, but yes, open up your home. Lots of people are doing it in their homes, but we don't know of any curious yet who are doing it in offices. That's so awesome. I think that's brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's great community. And and maybe even consider inviting Father to your home, to the rescue project. So that he knows that you see That you him. see him, exactly. Right. And that you want to know him and that he probably wants to see you and he wants to know you as well. So if you're already in a rescue project, great. If not, prayerfully consider starting one and who you should invite to your home. And, and no matter what, let's just all be very intentional this week about being on the lookout 
for someone who needs an encouraging word, you know, we get inspirations in our heads all the time. Like a name comes to mind or a face comes to mind. You're like, wow, I wonder why I'm thinking of him or I wonder why I'm thinking of her. Well, it's often because the Lord's putting that person there and he might be putting that person there simply to encourage me to reach out and to say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you right now and I see you. That's beautiful. Just like, just like, just like in the chosen scene, Father. Remember, where, oh, there was an episode in the chosen where Nathaniel is sitting under the tree and he's going through this. Do you see Very me? difficult time, and he looks up to heaven. And he says, "Do you see me?" Uh, that's the cry of the human heart. Not only, not only, how are you doing? Once you know, I see you. And by the way, I'm running this wonderful experience in my home called the Rescue Project. Want to come? I love it. This is the universal experience for almost every one of us. Well, it is, it, it is for every one of us. It's the universal experience. We're made for friendship. We're made for communion. We're made for relationship. And so many of us are starving for this. So if that's you, here's a way to do it. Think about the Rescue Project. In the meantime, God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He doesn't put up with you. He loves you. And because he does, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this.